0: Welcome to... It's not a rant! It's an... Articulate Warbling. Hosted by Zach Ferguson. Edited and produced at Badger's Drift Studio. If you enjoyed this podcast, please contact us at pgttcm.com so we can make more. And let us know. We would love to make more of this show for you. And here he is, Zach Ferguson...
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode twelve. Twelve. Welcome to episode twelve of it's not our aunt, it's articulate warbling with me, your host, critic warbler, Zach Ferguson. Today, I will be starting this episode by reviewing a uh, <laughs> an astounding piece of work, uh, Oliver's Zarandi's soft fruit in the sun published by Hexus Press. Now I'm going to read the blurb and then I'll get to the overall review. In this provocative debut collection, Oliver Zarandi introduces a new hybrid genre, perhaps best defined as tender body horror, in which frank and naturalistic explorations of familial, romantic and sexual relationships are juxtaposed with characters who bleed incessantly, or live in other people's bodies, or eat furniture, or casually conspire with their lovers to kill families and animals alike. Soft fruit in the sun, couches, modern truths, and darkly comic parables that bite like unseen teeth. By turns funny, absurd, and quietly grotesque, as affecting as they are, razor sharp, around-eyes stories play out in a universe both like and unlike ours. A world where grief and inherently dysfunctional dynamic between the sexes, poverty, body image, toxic masculinity, eroticism, and mental illness, all recur, steeped in dream logic, and cut through with a dry, ironic wit. Lovers of Lydia Davis, Carmen Maria Machado, and the strangers of Dino Buzzati and Roland Tappor will devour Soft Fruit in the Sun like manna. So, Soft Fruit in the Sun is a collection. Anybody who knows me well enough know that I'm not a fan of short story collections, short-form stories. D- they don't... They don't really connect with me, there's always been a rather disconnect, unless you're of a certain author, and a certain vocabulary, and a certain positioning, and I have a, an affiliation or relationship with them, such as Nicola Barker and Will South, who really, it, it transpired that it really reawakened something in me. But specifically, there's an inundation of short stories and short form in indie press, and a lot of it is an inundation of bizarro boring, extreme horror, it's just the same old stuff, cookie cutter stuff, whilst disingenuously trying to push themselves up in the name of purity and creativity. It's just nichey and something to label beside and it's just people trying to work what little pog- co- cogs and pistons they've got inside to try and get their names out there. But within experimental fiction, and that world. I feel that Oliver eyes short story collection has more in common with your traditionalist perspectives and tropes and expectations of experimental writers in general, whereas it may say on the back and label itself as a tender body horror. It's that and so much more. The stories contained within here all have a correlation with the overall uh, beautiful essay at the end. Uh, by Oliver himself, which is called Swallowing, which is basically a deep delve into his um, almost psychosis, physical um, invisible illness and physical attributes born from a mental illness, such as uh, whichever one it is, it's not a defined thing, and that's a it's, it's It shares a lot with com- in common with his essay and the themes. With his is it anorexia? Is it body dysmorphia? Is it general depression, OCD? And you can feel that just within itself with the short stories contained herein and i sat down and it's very rare that i sit down and you can keep me rooted in the same spot but i just wanted to devour these and it felt like each short story was related and it felt like an injustice if i gave pause or gave gave one moment of satisfaction or more time and placement of self and my ingestion of how I'm responding and receiving these stories, I felt I had to remain firmly rooted in spot to give over my time and my almost luxuriating and such beautiful, subtle, beautific, grotesque, emotional, affecting, deeply entwined prose and narrative and stories. A lot of these stories you feel come from perhaps One person uh, or multiple people, people deferred verses. You're not very entwined with the narrative thread, you're entwined with their emotional stakes and their happenstance, the circumstances and the thing that is plaguing them. And each short contained herein has a broader connotation and a broader meaning and with swallowing the follow-up essay it all kind of comes to fruition and makes a little bit more sense and in a way it is tender body horror but done in an emotive emotional aesthetical way it's so gripping it's quirky it's dry it's wry but overall it's purposeful and beautiful and prose so sparse and so fleeting and so almost abrupt But at the same time, juxtaposed with a lyricism that I've not come across in years uh, from a writer. And the writing, the voice, it's not assured by an accumulation of how many works have been out there. It's assured by he knows the stories, he knows the emotion, he knows the intent. He knows that exhumation of self that will make the stories ring truer than anything other that you find within short fiction short fiction is a lot of the time now implemented in a lot of ways to try and see somebody craft build skills whereas this short form is born from a place of this is how long and how dense or how abrupt or how sharp or how overall by different imbuements and perspectives how redundant a certain piece is it comes from a place of hurt pain and resonance and you can really feel it and it's just beautiful it's hilarious and it's all evenly matched it can be read as a book because each of these stories have an inter have a conglomeration and a submergence and a, a simmering buttering pestilent submersion but there's something beautific about the almost sensitivity of the subject matter there's almost a vulnerability And mired in that grotesque vignettes and certain physical uh, ailments and transmogrifications and metamorphoses. It's just a powerful collection. Made ever so more powerful with a final essay that gives a lot of weight to something that's already felt within the... Uh, short pieces contained herein and it is full to the brim of such beautiful prose such beautiful stories the house was a corpse that had been bled dry is one of my favorites as is a miniature tale of motherhood a tragic life a simple fact hole in the head a a fret, a good and simple life blood each and every one of these are so well envisioned, and such a, you can, it's almost, each short has its own world, but it's on the same plateau, or it could be part of a multiverse, this person, this first person perspective, third person perspective, everything contained within these short stories, is coming through one person's positioning of experience, and ache, whether it's Oliver, or whether it's a different alternative version, uh, portrayed, or captured, we don't know, but it is just... A subliminally edged dense beautiful purposeful amazing piece of experimental fiction and emotional fiction and it has created a almost new form or genre that i'd be happy to you know enroll with and enable by saying it is tender body horror it but it's not body horror in the sense of aesthetical dealings and the tropes and machinations or oh, makes a good horror book or, or a horror novel or something that is body horror related, like body horror was more stemmed from that visceral, visual textuality through cinema, but it has been captured beautifully recently in novel form but I think there needs to be a separation between that body horror mantle and that great density of, you know, by having a name and label. There's something more provocative, something more... Uh, emotional, something more meaningful in here than your average horror, trying to capture something new. It's not a trend book, it's not a niche book, it is something that comes from the heart and from experience, and that's where the greatest pieces of fiction come, so long, short, but as an overall book together, as the pieces together, as short form themselves, it is just a f- fucking sensational read. I just want to envelop myself into it, because there are so many moti planes of almost experience and interpretation and the stories themselves are hilarious and resonant and relatable and I recommend anybody to seek out Oliver Zerrandi's Soft Fruit in the Sun I've got to give this five out of five stars and probably it is one of my favourite short story collections I have read possibly ever I cannot recommend this enough. I really recommend you go into Hex's Press, see what they're releasing, and pick this one out as a starter pack, or as a starting point. And I really am looking forward to seeing what Oliver has up his sleeve. Maybe a long form novel or novella. Anything I will be reading and soaking up this man's work. Something very special with this writer, and I absolutely love his prose, and his stylings, and his viewpoint. Next, what shall be reviewed will be from Bad Betty Press. I was sent a reviewer copy by the publication as I wish to thank. Thank you at Bad Betty Press. And this release is one of many of their chapbook releases that have been released, um, I think, close together or out as a bundle. It's a certain season of uh, work. And this is called The Death of a Clown by Tom Bland.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, This is me, D.B. Spitzer, the editor and producer of Articulate Warbling with Zach Ferguson. Just wanted to let you know that we're hoping to make this a full-time series and not just a backdoor pilot. So if you would like to help sponsor the show, or if you have anything that you'd be, like, wanting to donate to help the show keep going, let us know. PGTTCM.com. And where you can reach Zach is in the show notes, and also where you can buy many books, Zach Ferguson, and you can check him out, of course, on Amazon.com, where he's got all kinds of wonderful books, from Dimension Horse to What Mr. Wants, Mr. Gets. All right, back to Zach.
1: The Death of a Clown by Tom Bland. It's It's prose poetry, but manifesto same time. Also, it is an internal monologue stretched out, exemplified, and played with. Though it is born, I feel, from an almost emotional, disassociative place, I also feel it comes from a birthing of fictional, almost literary tropes, machinations and expectations, and all imbued with that strange, almost archaic sense when born with the iconography of clowns, their happiness, but that also almost subliminal, subconscious, almost revelatory sense that all clowns are depressed. And that they inevitably just lead into an ultimate demise, but then seek and joy in the most strangest of avenues. That's what I get from reading this chapbook, and the, the 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 whole thing itself is beautifully done. It's humorous, it's hedonistic, it's sexual. The lyricism of it, the prose poetry, it almost reads as a spoken word piece of art it reads as if it needs to be spoken like as i was reading it my tongue was getting tired my internal tongue was tied and i found myself reading it out loud and then with all the almost fragmentary and for me almost experimental typographical would we say errors or experimentations applied herein the prose and the beat and the structure and the formation is disjointed. It's almost a metatextural thing going on. And metatextuality seems to be a common theme with a lot of works I've been reading. Is it a modern trend? I don't think it is. I think it's something where we need to try and expose our deepest, darkest, most harrowing of inhibitions and anxieties and formulate them within prose, but also pushing the boundaries. When reading this, I kind of half anticipated it to be a poem piece where words must rhyme where they must entangle be isn't it? it is a prose poem its piece of its whole litany and its whole construct is its prosaicness but the poetical sense and the labeling and the genre defined terms and what placement poetry is stuck within it's kind of given a shrugged off uh, resonance it's like kind of told to fuck off and let us redefine poetry and i feel tom Bland has redefined poetry for me especially prose poetry which in a lot of ways it just sidelines that experimental and the poetical ascetical notions that can be imbued and given over and exhumed i film a lot of poets they're like i'm doing a prose poem, darling and it's just like just do a short bit of fiction you fucking idiot but this it gives to form what prose poetry can do it's gives excuse but it also gives resonance and it also gives way for interpretation or misinterpretation i really loved this small chapbook and from the back, Tom Bland's The Death of Clowns, Audacious and Essential Taken Off, and Tisty Alienation of Sexuality, that simultaneously estranges itself and, and relates to its audience. Audience rather than readers. This book is performance, mask, roleplay, seminar, be-moving, YouTube clip, a peep the most shocking of all our roles, human. That's very true. It's a very great summation of what it is. That is what it is overall. It is a contemplative look upon performance, mask, art, And hiding our truest selves from each other with aesthetical and cosmetic uh, sheaths and veils of clothing. And it hits upon a mark within its very short 40 to 50 pages length and execution and cut and formation as pieces. It it is a very quick read, but there's no simplicity behind it that is harrowing. It is... Commentary, social, politically, societally, more so than anything, it talks upon sex and interrelationships and the human nature and our bind and within it, through that prism and that iconograph, sense and sensibility garnered through the image and figurine of implantation and indoctrination of what a clown is, but also that almost subliminal and extended weight of a clown is the most depressed personification of a human living on and meekling out an existence i really really enjoyed this the death of a clown by tom bland so i must give it four out of five stars and i highly recommend you check out bad betty press and they have a whole lot of other uh chapbooks and other titles uh solomon's world by jake wild hall unremembered by joel alterson in my arms by sitara ebrahimi and if i've pronounced your name wrong i am so sorry sitara ebrahimi Fuck, I am terrible with pronunciations. The story is by Katie B Hall. The Dizziness of Freedom, edited by Amy Aker and Jake Wildhall. I'm shocked by Iris Kellun. Ooh, to Laura Smith. Aisha da 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 DB, please cut out all this fucking stumbling across my my myself shit. Aika Doherty. The Pale Fox. Katie Metcalf. Targa by Rameka Tamei, forthcoming in 2019, While I Yet Live, by Boyega Udubanjo, and more to be announced on badbettypress.com I do recommend you seek it out they are so those subtle and very minimalist you, you kind of hold in Tom Bland's The Death of a Clown I just want the rest of the uh, the series they've released and so they can all sidle up together and just formate into this one big collection this one big seasonal piece that they're releasing them out as as these short chapbooks <clears throat> and have them sidle into to each other and with their very um effective and simplistic uh cover art but i do recommend that you seek out tom bland's the death of a clown it is very much something that what i would want and anticipate from a piece of prose poetry it kind of broadens it and gives it a whole nother manner and scope that i never kind of anticipated for it especially with my relationship with poetry i think poetry is there for you to push and experiment and really try and redefine something for yourself more so than that that gives you room for and not just on that metatextual space upon the canvas with which you are projecting your words upon but within yourself as an artist with that levels of uh formation and disentanglement and uh space barring and a dislocation from where a certain paragraph starts or an indentation moves or jars. It's just the fucking rules of poetry imbue that sense of I can have space and I can manipulate and I can shift and subvert and just revert everything that is known because of that poetical and poem prismata structure. But next I shall now be reviewing by... Dostoevsky Wannabe's Imprint, which is Dostoevsky Wannabe's Experiment, a short novel by Chuck Harp called *Blooming Insanity, of which I will read the blurb to you. Brock Creeplin is broken, but he's getting better, at least that's what he tells his doctors at his mental hospital, nicknamed the Zoo. Upon his release, the washed up cartoonist attempts to pick up the pieces of his life and revive his career with the help of his friend and therapist. The only thing stopping Brock is the untamed colourful characters that litter his mind every second of the day. Hiding his disorder isn't easy, and climbing back to the top won't be much better. Brock Creeplin is broken, but he's getting better. I had a real, let's say, off and on relationship with this, and considering it is a very short 100 page to the number novel. I had an issue, a great issue with Chuck Harp's Blooming Insanity and it only dawned upon me that The issues thereby I gleaned and experienced and processed were almost deliberate. I'm going back into that meta-contextuality, the ingenuity of a writer knowing what they're doing. And it was the monotonous repetitivity of vignettes and sequences. And it's not the same uh, character arcs or threads or characteristics or it was a replaying of the same chapter, but the replaying of the same situation, the same thought process with our main character Brock who is a cartoonist known for this one defined thing at some point and now the reality of his weird characters are subverting his current linear time frame and mind plane and then it comes about that it's is it something that is played and born from his work or is it something that's played and born from his imagination anyway and thus that's what's enabled him to thus realise these creations and put it out into the world and share it with the world whereas it's more of he's internalising these creative constructs and characteristics and personifications of mood and emotion and place and era of himself and projected. Great art always comes from a place of hurt. And this book really questions about man's interrelation, interrelationship and relatability with his piece of art, but also his disenfranchisement, his, his fractured psyche. And only after simmering on it for almost a week now, I realise that Chuck Harp has written a very... Relatable, astute and very cleverly mastered. It's a masterful display of what mental health looks like. And especially from a creative vantage point. Someone as myself who's an artist, such as Chuck, Chuck Harp. And everyone else who is part of the literary or artistic world and culture. There is that battling of muse, of ego, of pride. Seeing yourself in a place where everyone else is amassing and growing. It also speaks a lot upon the, uh, the evolution and growth of intermediaries of sharing art, their placement, their appreciation, and then the repetitivity of character beats and notes and struggles really became resonant with me with someone who suffers from mental health and I first realized that's what we do. The ache and the agony is monotonous, it drags out, it's the same old thing, it's just played out until there's no point for it but to shoot itself dead until there's another new intrusive thought or moment or mood or aura to plague you and that corruption and that monotony and that intrusivity is captured with these vignettes. It's also a very playful book and it also doesn't really show mental health as the degenerative evil darkness that a lot of mainstream media and social media and pieces of art now show it to be mental health and invisible illnesses is the is the be or end all when it comes to creative endeavors and the creative mind and the creative psyche and their interrelationship and symbiosis with the work in question that they're creating and proffering i think if a lot of people out there didn't have invisible illnesses there won't be products of that sufferance and that's the question and the relatability and the reality of the character of brock creeplin in this book and it's talked up on a very mariadical uh of contemplation and appreciation and devotion to your artistry and your form and your positioning and it's also got what i might assume is brock Brock's feelings are what probably Chuck Carp feels himself, and what we as writers ourselves, are evaluating and seeing and whether we're thinking it's discriminatory or it's. De- evol- it's de-evolving de- or de-evolutionary. It's a it's a, a widening or a chasm or an abyss of creative thought and creative output input. But Chuck Hart really imbues it with somebody, obviously, who's, who is a writer and is of that realm and that creative process and seeing things garnering appeal, falling down in uh, public and media relations, um, you know, hierarchical, systemised prismata, and labeled and definable quarantine boxed terms and appreciations and expectations and all such and fucking sundry, Chuck Harp captures something in his with the 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 the, the, the tailoring of well, the issues, the subjection to his own so supposed self involved self-perpetuated motion of events and mental disintegration and the overall point is that i'm trying to define is chuck harper's written a book that is relatable for artists relatable for people with mental health relatable on a whole and also is a great encapsulation and almost metamorphosis and again meta-contextuality defined transmogrification affide uh, being uh, or a theme and commentary that needs to be fucking said and stated but done in such an authorial traditionalist affirmed and concretized and confident voice that isn't shoved down your neck and as such and when i read this i was like how is this an experiment i don't see this as experimental writing because it doesn't have the usual fashion typographical for for for, formational dis Disjointed estrangement and misalignment that I uh, attribute to experimentalism in a lot of ways. But then really letting it fuss just effect upon me and me contemplating, even me as I pontificate now, it is a fucking great experiment upon. Reading expectation, reader, reader's uh, reaffirmation. It's an experiment onto itself, where it could have fallen into that whimsy and the, that that almost uh, uh, contemplative self-indulgence that experiment, experiment experimental writers do. But it's an experiment of form and prose of ideals and structures and issues and opinion pieces, but raveled in masterfully through traditional means and that ungovernable rule of fucking literature. And he has done something that is defining mental health for an artistic individual and their endeavours so masterfully and fucking beautifully. So overall, I was like, oh, I don't really have to feel. Is it a two-star read? It took me far too long. I didn't attach with it. But the more it simmers and the contemplation and room is allowed, I don't think it's an imbuement of an overall opinion, trying to piece things together, or it's a biased notion, because I love what want Dostoevsky wannabe, uh, the publication house, is doing. Overall, I don't think it's a biasness. And so I think that was what was hurting me a bit, because I didn't engage with it on the levels compared to what I did with Richard Brammer's work or Grant Meyerhoff's work. Or Jane, Ashamed Jesse Christmas work, or Claire Hopple's work. Everyone and so many uh, marvelous writers, Isabel Widener, uh, that I've read from Dostoevsky wannabes imprint and release. And I was kind of dis dis, dis-, dis- disenfranchised, but realised I was fuss disillusioned because there was that great expectation, and I it didn't really I didn't it wasn't the thing of I wasn't falling into the fucking flow of the book. I really was. I just felt like it was a dislocation of it and then when it, it's not it's not easily garnered and assumed that I piece things together to imbue it so I could have oh it fits perfectly with all the other books because there are a few books that Duff we released that just I didn't relate to and I didn't enjoy and I thought this was one of them but then when it truly came over me I wash, and the more I felt that I'm talking about it now and expressing it and words are piecing together and tumbling out of my mouth it just seems affirm that that's its intent it's not meant to entertain within the moment it's meant to make you think and not just through the usual means of the emotion the character and the uh, narrative threads but through the means of what intermaterial and subliminally is going on and what chuck harper's seeing and writing Oh, it could be all an imbuement from me, but that's the fucking purity and beauty of art, and I think true traditionalist and affirmed and concretised and very confident means of his writing style, there's a lot going on metacommentarily, uh that's a word now, meta-commentarily inside this book that doesn't really uh, fall upon you, uh, or blanket you, or... Uh, soak into your skin up until very fucking far and late and delayed in the read so Chuck Harp's Blooming Insanity was going to be your almost a two star out of five star rating and read until you know it kind of it dawned on me the ingenuity of it and I did have fun reading it but and then there was long stretches where I didn't and that is the same and almost intermaterial universal truth of mental health sometimes it's enjoyable that that up other than that down and how we can place it into our art and how it evolves our art and us as artists there's something enjoyable about being mentally ill sometimes when you are on an artistic streak and it's attributed to an artistic endeavor don't get me wrong in thinking that having mental health is fun at all but this book structure and its traditionalist way and smoothness and clarity and concretized um, prose linearity really exemplifies that in a meta comment in a meta textural and meta commentary way so i have to give blooming insanity five stars out of five and uh i really can't wait to see what chuck Harp has done next it's again this is an experiment unto itself because it's changed my perspective and pov on again what experimental art is and can be through different v- vignettes through different viewpoints vantages perspectives and different emotions and feelings airing on the day that you are feeling Anyway, that was a very protracted, long, warble tastic review, but that's the whole fucking point. That's the whole intention. Once I get going, you can't stop me, and I think that's the naturalism of it. it I, I, a lot of my reviews up on the early. Uh, the, the earlier reviews and the earlier. It, it felt almost systemized, strategized, and you know, it, I wasn't on fine form, but once I start going and it just. It's that build up of. I can't get my words together, but the intent and the passion and tenor is enough that they go tumbling on out, and I'm just scrambling, on trying to piece them together, and it just becomes a whole hodgepodge of... But then you see it. It's passionate, and it comes from a place of uh, revered and exaltatally, exalt- whatever the fuck you call it, exhilaration. So, this has been almost a warble-tastic uh review for a fair few indie artists and their works, and that's what i want to do going forward i want to review books that will not or that do or do not i don't want to speak on the behalf or use my biased opinions or my vantage or my viewpoint but there's a lot of books that deserve a little bit more recognition a little bit more of a push and to be glorified and uh and ushered onto the world and have praise ushered onto it and pushed out into the world but um that is it for episode 12 of uh, Articulate Warbling. Uh, thank you so much, and I'll see you for the next episode.
0: It's not a rant. It's Articulate Warbling with Zach Ferguson, written by Zach Ferguson, produced and edited by D.B. Spitzer, recorded at Badger Strip Studios in glorious Portland, Oregon. Zach's part is, of course, recorded in Brighton, England. Want to help the show? Go to pgttcm.com. Check out what we've got. Go to Zach's shop uh, on, in, in the show notes. Go to Zach's Instagram in the show notes. Find out how to help him out. And of course, Ashton Manor, Darkest Child by Kevin MacLeod. So thank you so much and join us next time.